Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. I'm Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source and your host. I am joined by Nicole Vulcan, our editor. We are powered by The Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper, celebrating 25 years of publishing this year. Uh, we are glad that you're taking some of your time to listen to us chat with people in our community who are shaping them. We are talking to Clifford Evelyn today, who is busily, busy, busily making that word up, shaping Redmond. Uh, and we figured it'd be a good time to catch up on all things uh, Redmond, considering we just went through this election cycle and there's been some big, some big changes. Clifford Evelyn was born and raised in Harlem, New York by his Caribbean parents. Clifford attended New York University where he studied business administration. He later attended Los, Los Angeles Trade Tech where he studied business management. Clifford enlisted in the US Navy in 1977, received an honorable discharge as petty officer second class in 1985. 89, Clifford was hired by the Clark County Sheriff's Office serving as correctional deputy and then sergeant, lieutenant, and finally commander. In 2017, Clifford was asked to be executive president for non New Priorities Family Services, a 501c3 nonprofit counseling service located in Redmond, Oregon. In 2021, Clifford ran and was elected as the first black person on the Redmond City Council. Clifford, thank you for joining us today. You're most welcome. I'm glad to be back with you guys. Yeah, I think you, uh, you're setting um, a precedent here. You're the first uh, two-timer on, on the Ben Don't Break podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'm honored. I'm so honored. Thank you so much. Yeah, great to have you. Um, so, Clifford, just give us an idea. What are, you, uh, what are you working on right now that you're most excited about? Well, what I'm most excited about is the fact that the elections went the way that I, would hope, I was hoping it would go. You know, uh, there was a lot of good uh, people running, you know, but um, there was certain individuals that I thought would be much better for the position. And, and they fortunately won that position, you know, and one of my goals when I got when I came on when I first talked to you guys years ago was trying to get Revan on the right track and get some people that really had open minds and was critical thinkers, you know. And I could tell you, Aaron, I'm I'm very excited. I think we got those people in place now. Yeah. Well, I know that um, I know it was a race that a lot of people were interested in, and with uh, a lot of the change that's happening in Redmond and the incredible growth, it's a. Uh, it's a time for some dynamic leadership up there. Well, you know, what, I'm, what, what I was impressed about the most is I was sending out Facebook pages all the time talking about, you know, look at the, look at the people that's running, vet them well, look at their skills, their characteristic, you know, and everything else, you know. And I think the citizens of Redmond did exactly that because they picked the right people. What do you think that new energy is going to do for Redmond? Um, and, you know, if you want to, extrapolate on who who is now on the council and you know what what you're hoping to get accomplished with the, with those folks happy to hear that well i think the first thing that's the first number one thing is the fact that uh ed fitch is back in place again he used to be the mayor here in redmond many years ago you know and so it was nice to have someone that already knows how, how the city works and a lot of the things that got put into place was started by Ed, but then he was out of office and then, you know, things just fall into the lap of the person that follows him, you know, or, you know, anyway, so, um, so Ed's a great mayor. I'm very happy that he's there, you know. Um, we have uh, Kaz Wicker, who's very good at what she does. She's a real estate agent and the president of the Real Estate Association. You know, we should have Shannon back again, Shannon Wedding, you know, she's an engineer. Now we have John Nielsen, he's the branch manager for Mid-Oregon Bank. 
So financially, he's financially sound. He knows his business, you know. And then we also have um, Captain Osborne. And Captain Osborne has sat on numerous committees for the city. So she's very into what's going on and what's been going on. And, you know, I just think that we just got a, 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 a team, you know, and this is what we need. We need some people that have critical thinking skills, who's open-minded, where we can have a discussion and challenge each other and, uh, and compromise if we have to in the end. Because the bottom line is that what we're doing is not for ourselves. We're public servants. We're doing it for the city. And I think, it, uh, I think the people that's on board now, we've already talked about this and they understand that. So now that we're on the same wavelength, it shouldn't be that much of an issue of getting things done. And our number one priority is addressing the homelessness. That's number one. You know, this has been kicked to the curb, pushed to the side, all the money taken from it and everything. But, you know, we have to work together. And, and I, just, I just gave a speech at the Kiwanis Club last uh, yesterday. And what I told them, you know, I told them, you know, we have to work with you, the citizens. We're serving you, but we need your help. You know, if they keep pushing back on us, when it comes to the homelessness, then the homelessness problem issue is going to get out of hand and then everyone's going to be upset. And what I said to them, it is their responsibility just as much as the city council's uh, responsibility. And I think they got that message last night. I mean, you have now you have, I think from my counting, you've got you got the new motel shelter um, from Bethlehem in, and then now you have a shepherd's house shelter. So where does the city fit in? What do you think the city um, needs to jump on to help address that problem? Well, first of all, we need to get, get you in with the homelessness you're talking about, am I yeah. correct? Yeah, mm -hmm. so we need to make sure those are functioning properly and as they should, okay? Now we have to get Oasis Village. Oasis Village is going to be out by the airport. You know, we've been working on that. It's been around for, before I even got on, got on um, city council, you know, and we need to start focusing on getting that set up and put into place. What I explained to people yesterday is this. This is not an easy solution. We didn't get here in one day. We're not gonna get out of it in one day. And the fact of the matter is that we need to make sure that all the services that we need in order to make this thing function and be successful is um, what we have to look at. We gotta look at wraparound services. We gotta look at mental illness. We gotta look at drug addiction. And we gotta look at getting people back on their feet and with some, um, basically some life skills so they know how to move their life around. You know, one of the things I talked about yesterday at the Kiwanis, you know, one of the major factors that no one talks about of homelessness is incarceration. You know, we incarcerate people for the silliest crimes. You know, then we put a stamp on their head because now they got a criminal record. Then we release them. They can't get a job or they lost their job because they went to jail. We stopped their OS, uh, OSP, which is Oregon um, um, providing service for, you know, for uh, insurance. We stopped that when they go to jail. OK, so that means the taxpayers have to pay for that. And then we burden them with uh, a reporting to a probation officer who tells them, well, you need to report here by four o'clock on these days. Well, most jobs go from eight to five. So, you know, employers don't want to hire them, but they like saying, well, I'm not going to let you leave because, you know, we work from eight to five here and I understand you're in trouble, but that's your issue. And so we make it, you know, it's an unreasonable expectation that we put, we put on them. And instead of trying to help them get out of the rut, we just oppress, we oppress them e even more. Such an interesting perspective from someone who started their their private yeah. career, I guess you could say, in um, corrections. Exactly. You know, and that's where I saw that. You know, and the thing about it, I mean, you guys don't know a lot of my story, but, you know, I went head over my sheriff's department about that because what I did, I was on my own time. I was showing inmates, uh, well, I don't want to call them inmates, people that was incarcerated when they got out, 
how to open a bank account, how to try to get back on track, how to, uh, you know, uh, stay consistent so you can get a loan. Because the thing about it, if they pay, when they have fines, their fines are like at 18% interest. And they only pay the minimum. So if you have a fine that you got in 2023, you won't, that won't be paid off in 2029 because you're just paying the, bit, the, the bare minimum and the interest rates just keep going up. So anyway, you know, so there's a lot that people don't know about and I wanted to make sure they understood that. Clifford, one of the, one of the things that kept coming up in our endorsement interviews with the Redmond candidates was um, this notion of talking more about the problems that Redmond has to its general population. You know, there were, um, you know, culturally, there's a big shift going on. You've you've had, you know, things that have put you on the radar that haven't been flattering, like the Confederate flag and the Fourth of July parade, people flying the Confederate flag in their neighborhoods. And, you know, there really was a split that, that we noticed when we were talking about that, about people who were saying, you know, we we have an issue, we need to talk about it. And those people were like, Redmond's good people. These are these are not big issues. These are just small little things. And um, I was struck by the way that the election carried the people forward who were willing to say we need to talk about these things. Is that what you're seeing? Well, you know, I think we're at an inflection point. And the, and the fact of the matter is we're in this odd, you know, odd situation right now. We have a split. We have the old Redmond and we have the new Redmond. The old Redmond are people that have been here forever and they want things to remain the same because that's the way it's always been. Right. And then you have the new generation and the new people moving to Redmond from different parts of the country who understand politics, who understand how taxes work, who understand that investing your money over here will be beneficial over there. And, and this is where the heads are bumping. And then we have the ones in the middle who don't know what the hell is going on, okay? But they fly around with flags in the back of their trucks and, and you know uh, just say hateful things to people and don't understand that that's just not good for any city in any part of the country. Sure. But it seems like that's what's going on nowadays. But the fact of the matter, we're not going to let Redmond be like that. Let me just put it like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm struck by, uh, I mean, why we find, I find Redmond so fascinating is, you know, you're like where Bend, to me, it's where Bend was years ago, only a little bit on steroids. It's a little faster. It's a little, the, the cultures are a little more extreme. Um, and the, the change is rapid. And, and you could really, pal you could palpably feel that in this last election. Yes, you know, and, you know, and, and things are moving quite fast. And this is why we need to kind of slow down a little bit, focus, make sure we got our checklist of what we want done long range and short range goals, get the short range goals ticked off the list, you know, and still fo focus on the long range goals at the same time, you know, but that's going to take, um, that's going to take um, us, uh, city council, citizens, the housing, uh, um, um, re the real estate people and everybody working together because everybody got a hand in this. We all got an issue, but we need to make sure that we understand what the issues are and work on it because I'm telling you, if we don't get a handle on it, it's gonna get out of control real quick. I, I reminded some people last night, well, I'm not reminded them, but told them about the situation in Portland. I sat on a committee for five five times to use Wapato Jail, which would cost the taxpayers in, in Portland, $52 million back in 1995, I believe it was, or four, okay? And said, we'll make it into 
a homeless show. This is when the homeless population was nothing in Portland, but it would have been a nice place to put the ones that we did have, right? They kept putting it off. No, no, some rich guy's going to buy it. No, we, we're going to sell it to this guy. No, we're going to sell it. Okay, they never sold it. I went to five meetings like that. Each time I brought that up, they, 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 they smacked back at it, pushed back on it. And the fact of the matter, they just sold it like two years ago for $5 million, okay? And it's a homeless shelter. <laughs> so this is what I'm talking about. You know, so riddle me that. I mean, I mean, you can't be like stuck on stupid all the time. You understand? And it just seems like, I mean, we, so they just lost what? Uh, 87, I mean, they just lost $87 million. Wow. Yeah, you, and you've, you kind of have been, you know, trying to bring up a number of issues in your council. I know one of the things that you have kind of brought up and has never been allowed to be discussed is the topic of should we should we bring marijuana dispensaries into Redmond and should we have that up for a vote again? So what are your thoughts on where that's going to go now with the kind of a new a new uh, yes. makeup of the council? Can well, you we, know, um, we say that we think they're stuck on stupid regarding that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here's what I think. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be better this time. Okay, I think we'll we'll have. I mean, we've already got letters with people saying they don't want it, as well as people sending letters that they do want it. Okay, the fact of the matter is this: what I remind them is alcohol is a drug. Okay, and I keep trying to remind them that marijuana is not a Schedule One drug, even though it's in that category. It is not a Schedule One drug. A Schedule II drug is what marijuana is, and the reason why it's a Schedule II drug is because of the fact that it has medicinal uh, medicinal purposes. Okay, so heroin doesn't have that, meth doesn't have that. That's why those are in the Schedule One arena. The fact of the matter is, these individuals in this town, many of them, uh, the, the old timers, they're like, "Oh, you're gonna make it a dope town and things like that," you know. And the thing about it, all you have to do is look around you and look in other places, and and then they try to get into this debate about, oh, it's going to raise crime. Okay, I've done studies on that. I worked in law enforcement. It's not going to raise crime. It hasn't anywhere else, so why would it do it here? You know, so they're making all these excuses just to stop it, okay? Now the psilocybin is on the, on the list now, so now they're having a problem with that. But what they don't understand is that marijuana is beneficial to people with PTSD, anxiety, cancer issues. I mean, and the state and the city makes money off of this stuff. You know, I mean, it brings money in for other things like recreation centers that we got pushed forward this year, which I'm very proud of being a part of that. So, but anyway, yeah, I think it's going to be better. Um, I think we got some open-minded people. I think we're going to have some challenges with some of them when, when it comes to marijuana, but um, we, we're going to have some speakers come in and give speeches on it, you know, for pros and the cons of it. And then we'll go from there at least kind of have a conversation about it in some sense instead of like a shutdown it sounds like exactly yes uh-huh mm -hmm. yep hey clifford one of the things that i'm struck by from also from this last election and it's it's somewhat of a trend that you see in bend as well is that you guys passed the rec center mm -hmm. but did not pass the accompanying bill that would have or the accompanying measure that would have allowed the funding of the rec center. And I, I do understand that, you know, like any smart organization, there are ancillary ways in which you can raise funding. But but do you again, like voters who are really positive about building things, but don't really want to pay people to run those things. We, right. we see it with bonds around schools and education. Uh, what does that mean for Redmond at this point? Well, that's that category of, of uh, S on S that we just talked about, stuck on stupid. Because I'm thinking, so why would you build a building, give us, why would you approve a building to get built, but don't 
approve the money to, to the operational part of it. Right. So it's a learning curve for these people, but we'll get there. Just give me a little bit, okay? But the fact of the matter is, fortunately, um, the building, the land for the building has been sitting there, you know, for the last, whatever, three times that the vote, or second, two times the vote went through. Yeah. So it was already there. So that was smart on the part of the RAPRD because, I mean, that land would have cost us a bunch of money now and it only cost us, I mean, didn't cost us anything because we already got it, owned it, you know. Okay, so now the operational part, um, I talked to uh, Katie uh, Hammer, who's like runs the um, RAPRD, and um, they said they got, they got a way to get the funding. So that's it. I mean, I feel okay about that. And they said they got it covered, and so we got it covered. But, and we're going to break ground on that real soon, not real soon, but, you know, soon we got the architects have been here and everything. So, you know, we got a lot of big things going on. We got the library, the recreation center, and the police department. So, yeah, yeah it kind of sounds with- like, it kind of sounds like maybe once it gets built, people are going to get excited about it and then feel like more support around it. I mean, maybe that's sort of. Well, you know what, that's that's (laughs) interesting that you said that because they should be excited about it anyway. I mean, what city doesn't have a a Boys and Girls Club or a YWCA or YMCA? I mean, I've never heard of this before. And then it's interesting because, um, uh, how, how should I put this? Anyway. It's interesting because now the people that didn't want it also, oh yeah, yeah, we want it now, we want it now. Well, okay, well you should have had it 12 years ago, which is what I said on city council when they was all up there saying, oh yeah, we really want to have that. Well, you should have had it 12 years ago. So, and this is why you got to pick the right leaders because whoever is leading needs to look at what's going on and say, you know what? We need something for our kids. So for 12 years, okay, these kids have more than that. They have nothing. They had nothing in the winter. Like now, look at today. You know, what do they do on a day like this if they don't want to go play in the snow? You know, they just stuck in the house, you know. So anyway, you know, we're moving forward. Um, we got people with some bright ideas and good ideas. And, you know, we're going to put the past behind us and we're going to head into the future. Well, Aaron kind of brought up, you know, watching Red, uh, Redmond grow and cut, sort of compared to Bend. What do you think that Redmond can learn from Ben's successes and mistakes? Well, um, well, I think one thing that we can learn is that we have to manage growth, okay? Because I think um, Ben was trying to do that, but I think the influx of people came so quickly and the, the secret was out of, uh, of uh, Ben, you know, and people like saying, hey, I can go out here and throw a raft in the water. I ain't got to pay for parking. All I got to do is drive down the hill and pick my family up, you know? So they're like, you know, it was a freebie, you know? So, I mean, we, and this is what I'm trying to make, make see, and everybody gets upset with me sometimes because I say things like, well, you know, we could make some money off of that. And they're like, oh, you know, everything is not about making money. Well, yes, it is. Let me just give it to you like that, okay? Because I disagree with them, okay? Just like we built a, we, we, made, we made a parking lot downtown. The parking lot has 80 spots. And so I'm thinking, okay, so if you would have just put two more levels on that, you could have had 240 parking spaces rather than just 40. And with downtown growing like it is right now, we need to look at that. Because when, when General Duffy's gives something, when High Desert Music Hall gives something, and whatever other party's going on in town, all at the same time, people are walking like seven to eight blocks to get to their car or to get to, the, I'm not joking, they're walking seven to eight blocks. Luckily, they're not in a city with a lot of crime because that would be like a disaster in South Side of Chicago. Everybody be getting stuck up, you know, as they'll talk about. But, or like um, if it was a New York-sized block, I guess. Exactly. You know, you know seven but, yeah. blocks in Redmond is a little different than a New York City-sized block. Yeah, but we have more lights too, and we still things still mm-hmm. happen. They ain't got no lights yeah. out here because everybody want to look at the stars at nighttime. They say, 
I'm with them, Clifford. I like looking at the stars. You can point those lights down. <laughs> you know, you oh, you one of those guys, huh? You know, you them. if you walk on the outskirts of town, it's not that far away. You can see it anyway. You know, it'll get further away. Trust me. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you brought up like two places: High Desert Music Hall and De General Duffy's, and they're both like new places, really, re relatively within the last four years. It's just like you know, now Redmond has these venues that people right. go to, yes. um, which is totally a different thing that, um, you know, it's becoming more of a draw than it was before. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's very interesting because I, I, I hang out in a new place called the, um, the Junction, which is a coffee shop across from the police station, right? And everybody hangs out in there now. I call it my satellite office because I go in there from nine o'clock every morning. I'm there by quarter to nine and I leave at 11. I just sit in there and talk to the citizens and find out what they want and listen to their, you know, moans and everything, you know, but they like that, you know, and I like it because then I got my finger on the pulse, you know, but what I'm going to tell you is that, you know, these, our city is growing and people from Ben are coming here in the morning time. Cause I sit out there, I said, so how are you doing? I said, you just moved to town. They said, no. And they said, oh, we, we, we're from out of town. I said, oh, really? Where are you from? They said, Ben. <laughs> I didn't know Ben was out of town. Well, it is out of town, but I'm not, when you say out of town to me, I'm thinking like another state or something like that. So, but I said, so what are you doing here? They said, well, we like, you know, Ben, ben has gotten too excited and too crowded and it's kind of just, it's still comfortable up here. And we like the, 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 the easiness of just the way things are here. So that's what we do have over on you for now. And hopefully we could still maintain that to some extent as time goes on. Yeah, I think well, another thing that made me think of is like the river. I mean, you know, I guess we do here in Bend have that really, you know, the draw of having that riverfront. Yeah. And I know there's been like some conversations around that in Redmond. Like, how do you make an attractive place like near water? You know, well, well, you know, well we, got, think about? well, we got Klein Falls, which is right down the way. For like, like, I live right in downtown area and it's like uh, 20 minutes away, not even 20 minutes, probably like about 15 minutes down the street, you know. So we do have and that's the connection from the the shoots. So, you know, they, and they, they can walk the little ways and they drop it in the water and, and do the same thing, you know, but, um, but what, even though we don't have the water, we got the bike paths, we got the, the, the rock climbing, Smith rock and all, you know, and all that kind of stuff all around us, you know, so people are okay with that. And they don't mind going to Ben, even though I do, but, um, um, to use your recreation centers, you know, cause you got two of them, you know, and I think that that's fabulous. Cause I had to take my family there and no offense to you guys, but you know, it just bothered me that I had to take my, grandkids all the way 20 what is it 20 miles away whatever it was uh to to, to ben and and spend my money there when we could just keep it in our town you know and that's the other thing when you was talking about marijuana the revenue you know this we, we lose revenue in all sorts of ways but these people don't understand that economically they, they're deficient economically you know to in my in my opinion you know and um it's really hard to teach people something that they don't know anything about because they always think it's just something shady going on even though it may have been for a hundred years, they still wouldn't know it, you know? Yeah. So. I, I do think that they're, you know, in comparing Ben to Redmond, I mean, folks who have been in town for, you know, close to 25 years are, I mean, it's very reminiscent to be in, in Redmond. There's a little wistful quality to uh, the, the comfort of the downtown, the things you're mentioning, you're in Junction Coffee, you're seeing everybody you know, everybody else knows everybody else that's come in there. It's that old cheers thing. And, uh, yes. yeah. you know, Ben, ben definitely outgrew that. And, and you know, I mean, and they're, they're happy to some extent because the tour, tourists are, are booming it and dispersing it. And there's a lot of revenue there, but um, 
you know, if we're talking about comparisons, that, I mean, it's that there is that cultural change. It was, it was interesting to me when we were talking to the candidates and, and I, I could not help but hear those um, dulcet tones of the campaigner, campaigners from 20 something years ago, talking about cultural struggles and yeah. trying to find revenue in little pockets because you, you don't have that booming tour, tourism industry. And, um, but it'll come, it'll come. Yeah. Clifford. It's well, you coming. know, and, and it should come because, you know, as we talked about this before, you know, the airport is in Redmond. I mean, you know, what a, what a great thing. And we're getting ready, we, 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 we're getting ready to invest over a hundred plus million dollars in the airport. You know, to upgrade it and, and you know, put more terminals, have food things in there, and all, you know, all types of stuff, restaurants inside the airport and all that. So it's going to happen. See, the thing about it, what humans need to understand is that change just happens. It's just going to happen. Whether you like it or not, it's going to happen, you know, and, and that's what they don't want, you know. And I, I, you, I mean, it's inevitable. You just can't stop things like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm always struck now when I go to the airport about the si seeing the size of the jets that are coming in there now. That's and, right. Yep. You know, they're parking them down the way because, you know, and, and I know those renovations are coming, but, you know, if you need a vis visual on growth, just look at those planes that are landing now. Exactly. And people, you know, and with actually Redmond, the third largest airport in Oregon, a lot of people, I didn't know that. I just found that out the other day. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. You know, PDX is first, and I forgot who the second one was, but. You know, so we're like, we're on the list, you know, we, we were starting to get noticed, you know, and as those, as that airport grows and more people come here, um, guess what? They're going to stay here. Some people are going to say, you know, I want to live here. I kind of like this. And okay. that's what's going to bring that growth. So that's why I'm saying if we get ahead of it be, before the airport expands, we'll be ahead of it, you know, and that's where you got to think, you know, you got to think, okay, let's get this set up because it's going to happen. I mean, if you look at the airport, though, it still looks old fashioned to me, you know, it's just a, mm, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, it does its job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the planes do. They, they just get yeah. you through there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get me out of here. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Where am I going? <laughs> well, um, okay. So I want to, I want to see if you want to talk about a certain topic that you told me about um, not long ago, there was some concern you had around election signs. Right. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. I'll talk about it. Okay. Well, you know, so there's, there's, there's a rule that says um, that science can't, this is any science, cannot be in the right-of-way. Okay, so first of all, I'm from New York City, so I don't even know what the hell a right-of-way is. I mean, I don't, I'm not familiar with that terminology, right? So uh, city council meeting, I brought up, I said, so what is a right-of-way? I mean, what does that even mean? Because most people don't know what it means, right? Well, a right-of-way means that you can't, you're not supposed to put any signs like at a corner or like coming out of blocks so or blocks the vision of the cars that's coming, you know, towards you or at you, you know? Okay, that makes sense, right? But if you go to a lot of these blocks now, the, the apartment complex has got the name of the apartment complex out there and that's in the right of way. So what, we're gonna take that sign down? And the thing about it, in my opinion, it was just kind of su suspect, I'll use that word, because if you look at the, the enforcement code, it says no signs shall block the right of way. That means a paint sign, a sign talking about a garage sale, and a say sale sign. So any of those signs cannot be in the right of way. But in this particular situation, they just took down candidate signs, and that's where I get problem. I, I have a problem and because well, you know, just so listeners can understand, it, it's pretty commonplace for volunteers who are 
donating their time to campaigns to be given signs and issued forth to go plant them in as many places as they can. And, and they are certainly the ones that don't know the difference between a right of way and a non right of way place. And yeah. <clears throat> so it's certainly true anywhere. You're going to see campaign signs in the right of way, and then you're going to see if one goes in, then three other candidates are going to go in there and, and right. they proliferate. But um, but in Redmond, it was uh, during the season, it came up to the city, I believe, that the city should do something during the election time, which I think is unprecedented. It, it was because you know what? They've, they've never enforced it before. And that's what's problematic to me. You know, you know, I look at things from a police point of view. You know, you, you evaluate things. You say, OK, wait a minute. So what was the what was the past practice? Well, the past practice wasn't that, but yeah. all of a sudden now we got this new criteria, and it's just suspect. Let me just put it like that. I'm just and so I, I spoke on it. I you know I brought it up. I let them know that I was dissatisfied with that. You know, and we're going we're going to be looking at a lot of different. See, one thing what I see in in small towns like this is they have a process, but they're willing to twist it and turn it when they need to. And what I call that is putting your finger on the scale. And I don't like that. All right. I mean, if you got a policy, if you got a process, it remains the same until somebody decides to change it and it's voted on or whatever, however they do that. But you don't, don't change it randomly. And it's, and you, you think you told me earlier, it was not just every campaign sign you, you were observing. It was certain candidate signs. Absolutely. And they were. And the thing about it was so funny about it because um, they, if they pick them up, they put them down into the um, the in the mayor's office downtown, well, in City Hall, right? And if you would have went in there, you would have seen the same signs, just those certain signs in there, while the other ones still remain on the street in the same area. So, you know, I'm not saying how it happened, who did it or whatever, it doesn't matter. But the other thing that I didn't like was the fact that we had our law, our law enforcement officers was instructed to pick them up. And that's problematic. I mean, police officers are here to protect and serve. They're not here to be riding around town picking up signs. You have a code enforcement that does that. And if you only got one guy, then if that one guy can't get all the signs, well, that's too bad, so sad, you know? But you don't put our law enforcement officers and tell them to go pick up signs. That's absolutely ridiculous. You know, so it's just, you know, it's, it happened, it's over, you know, we got through it, you know, and we're gonna move forward and, you know, things are gonna be different because the criteria is going to change and how we take, pick city councilors, you know, we're looking at that, that process now because, you know, we can't just, okay, you just got to be 21 years of age, vote in Redmond uh, and live in Redmond. And um, I forgot the last criteria is that's it. So you could be like a mass murderer from Mississippi that have moved to the West coast and now you're city councilor and no one even knows about it until something goes wrong. I mean, I'm just saying if we vet people to go to McDonald's and work, or Bymart or Fred Myers, and we do background checks on them, we need to do the same and use that same criteria to scrutinize and weed out someone that may be problematic and embarrass us as a city if something was to go wrong. That's all I'm saying. And I'm pushing for that. And I think we're gonna get that. I hope you don't change the beauty pageant aspect of the race. I mean, I do like the fact that it's, you know, the, all the candidates go in and, you select from the, the big pool, the ones and the, and the highest vote getter gets it. That is, that is such a great way, I think, to do that a city council yeah. race. I mean, we enjoy it from an, an endorsement perspective because, man, you're, you're looking at the top quality candidates and you get more than one in a particular race instead of having this head to head where it becomes more partisan. Right, um, right. 
you know, it was no, very it hard for us to even know the candidates' politics based on the questions we were asking them. And um, and yeah. I thought that was great. That was and that's the way it should be. Because yeah. these are nonpartisan positions. Yep. You know, but some people just, just like to try to throw a plug out there to let people kind of wink, wink, you know, I'm on your side type thing, you know, so... Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I thought that was a comforting thing personally, because I felt like, you know, across the board, maybe not just Redmond, but different places that people were running, they were kind of like showing their best behavior, like, and maybe they should, you know, mm -hmm. but, but maybe we weren't actually knowing their true feelings and policy, like how they're actually going to act in when they're, you know, faced with like a hard decision. Right. Um, so it's, I don't, I mean, we're the ones who are supposed to be asking the questions that like draw them out. So I mm -hmm. guess it's on us to like figure that out. But yes. I really did feel like, you know, there, there was a lot of measured, you know, answers going on going, that yeah. seemed kind of rehearsed right. and it was hard to get to that. Like, okay, who is the ones who are just winking when they say this answer, you know, mm -hmm. how, what are the, what can we do to try to draw that out from them um, a lot of people just really giving that really basic answer or mm -hmm. or maybe just um you know i think a tactic this year was to just criticize you know without really a lot of answers about what you what you would do instead because if you said what you were going to do instead there would be you'd have a policy position that we could kind of like figure out what what you stand for, you know, right. it's an interesting thing going on this year for sure. Well, you know, you just made a good point, Nicole, is the fact that, you know, and I think, and I'm gonna put it back on your guys' laps. That's why it's important to ask the, the right questions. And like, I, I always talk about, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy, Tim Russett used to be on Meet the Press. And Tim Russett would always, he would lock, he'd lock you in. He didn't, he, he didn't let you get out the box until you answered the question. Because I, I went to a number of the uh, the uh, debates this this year, obviously, uh, this last election cycle. And I was sitting in the audience. I was like saying, okay, that wasn't even the damn question. They asked them. And yeah. they, they responded to something that had nothing to do with what they, they asked. And it was like, okay, and they just moved on. I'm thinking, okay, so how was that satisfactory? You know? And so people have learned to, okay, and I don't expect, um, and we shouldn't expect, new people that's running for office to know how to respond to a lot of these questions. See, the one thing I found, and this is how I am, if I don't know, I just say, I don't know. It's okay to not know, you know, because all you got to do is learn. I mean, I'm not a real estate person. I tell people all the time, I, you know, I'm not into uh, infrastructure and all that kind of stuff, you know, but I'm, you know, I study about it. I read about it and try to learn as much as I can about it. That's not my area of expertise. And none of us are going to be experts in all areas, unless you've been on city council for 25 years, which some people have been on that long and they become experts, but you shouldn't be that long. So, cause we should have term limits. But anyway, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, they're not going to know the answer and they should just say that, say, you know, I'm not familiar with that, but what I'm, I've been researching it and hopefully the next debate, I'll be able to give you a better answer. That's okay. No one's gonna be mad at you because you said that. Actually, I'm the type of person to say, you know what, I like that. You know, matter of fact, I'll use an example. Um, the gentleman, um, oh, I just lost his name now. Oh, Brandon Dixon. Brandon um, runs the, um, the Redmond Athletic Club. And he said, you know what? They asked him a question. He said, you know what? He says, I don't know anything about this stuff. He said, I'm a businessman. I run a, a gym up here, you know. He says, and I just want to help the city move forward and do what I, I can to help the city. He says, and I don't know anything about this stuff. So I'm just going to tell you like that. That's okay. And I remember when I, when I left there, I, I was talking to him. I said, they said, well, you didn't even know. I said, well, he told you he didn't know. It wasn't like he was like trying to be sneaky because the worst thing you could do is try to fake it 
And then you sound stupid. And if someone's around you that know the real answer, they're going to say, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, so I think honesty is the best policy. That's an old time term, but it is. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, you know, you do want people to be a little prepared with some of the basic stuff they're going to be asked. But, you know, this this um, conversation makes me want to like toot our own horn for just a second, because I think people sometimes question like why journalists even endorse or why newspapers endorse in races. And it's like, well, you know, we do know how to ask the questions. We are paying attention all year round. Who else is going to ask the most difficult questions? Who else is going to get those answers from people? Um, You know, if that can be like a case for like why newspapers should still be doing this, right? that would be, that would be one well, good. I'll I, well, start I that for a second. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you, there's what you, you guys picked the person who I like, and I know I know them well, and I think they're really good, right? But I was like, I, I and, and there was somebody else I like too, and I, you know, and I didn't know why y'all picked what you did, but I trust your judgment because I know you guys do this stuff a lot, so you know, it was all right with me. Yeah. And I'll I'll just chime in too on the topic is that it's you know increasingly across the country newspapers are abandoning that editorial process and you know there's a lot of conversation in the trades about you know sticking with editorials or getting out of that business because it it can be bad for business and in a lot of where a lot of these publications are are challenged and want to just put a happy face forward at, at, Mm -hmm. at every cycle um you know doing political endorsements and putting putting it out there how you feel about these candidates can is is it's a liability in a, in a lot of ways, but it is the highest calling, I think, for the paper. And it certainly I've told Nicole this many times. It's it's the best part of the it's the best part of the profession, I think, because right. you're really doing a service. We are we That's follow right. we follow and, and interview and talk to people in these positions constantly. And to to withhold the information that we have mm-hmm. and just sit on the sidelines for election would be a dereliction of duty, in my opinion. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it'll be. You know, hey, well, here's what I got to say. I encourage you guys to keep doing exactly what you're doing because it's working and it's good. And I know most of the friends that I talk to and people around town, they love it. You know, so, you know, and I think uh, our Reverend Spokesman is kind of trying to follow your lead now because they're putting out little good stories, too, and stuff like that. So, you know, and Tim's doing a great job up here on that, you know, and I always go in and compliment the guys and tell them that I appreciate what they write, you know, whether it's in my favor or not, not in my favor, but, you know, whether I really like what they said but the fact of the matter they put it out there and i like that i think that's important yeah Yeah. i mean i talk to people you know when we have chances to like talk about the media publicly it's like i would never want them you know it i think it's great for redmond to have their own thing you know the more media outlets we all have that it just goes back to that like flow of information like what's at stake here is that people having the information they need to like make decisions you know it's not just about a competition us versus them or something like that so i think it's great to have a dedicated paper up there that's right yeah thank you you. i'm really happy with them yeah yeah so what else y'all want to know about okay i got i got another tough one for you okay Okay. so just because you're from a law enforcement background i'm just Mm -hmm. curious about like your take around the current snafus around measure 114 and maybe what conversations you're having with the redmond pd or Deschutes county um sheriff's office around the rollout of that if any well i could tell you that we i don't agree with them and they don't agree with me so and i'm okay with that but the fact of the matter is this you know what we need to have some common common sense gun laws, you know. I mean, you know, I and this is what really bothers me. So we take an oath to swear to do something. And we say we're gonna protect the citizens and we're gonna follow the rules of Oregon and this, that, and other thing, right? And then when I see law enforcement officials who 
say, well, I'm not gonna, that's not gonna be at the top of my priority list, you know, and just say things like that. You know, that is so disheartening because the communities look to us for leadership, uh, law enforcement, you know, and they expect us to follow the law. So I got a problem when you a law enforcement officer, you swore to abide by the law. I look at my thing all the time and it says the same thing and say when I, when, I, when I was in it and now that I'm out of it and I stick with that. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna follow the law. I, I mean, people may not like it, but that's the way it is. But you know what I think, Nicole? You know what I think would be interesting? Here's what I said. We should, we should make people insure their guns. You should buy insurance for your gun. Just like you, you, buy, you buy insurance for your car, right? You buy insurance for your home, you know? And I think that might do a little something, but the fact, getting back to what you're saying, you know, we need to use common sense gun laws. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I don't understand why this is so difficult. You know, we don't need assault weapons on our streets. We just don't. They're not designed for that. Okay. And I mean, these, uh, so many people out here are so into their guns. I mean, it's almost like a, I don't know, like a crucifix to them, I guess. I don't know what, what it is to them, but they're like, like just hung up on this, you know, and no matter how many people die, no matter how many kids get killed in mass shootings, you know, they're still standing behind that gun thing. And, you know, and I tell you, I disagree with that 100%. I was, I was really surprised. Oh, sorry, Nicole, you're muted. <laughs> sorry. When people hear that you're a Navy vet and that you were spent your career in, in law enforcement, do they just assume that you're going to be on the side of like, you know, no restrictions or, you know, fewer restrictions on firearms? No, most people know how I am. I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty straightforward. So it's like, you know, I mean, I don't care how many thousands of police officers di disagree with it. I think you need to follow, we, I don't think, we need to follow the law as law enforcement officers. That's all there is to it. I mean, you can follow the law and, you know, get upset about it later and voice your opinion, but you need to follow the law. Because if you're not going to follow the law, why would you demand or, or expect the citizens to follow laws if you're not going to follow the law? We lead by example. We're supposed to lead by example. But, you know, if you go into the history of law enforcement, you can get a better understanding of why some of these people think the way they think. Because if you know anything about law enforcement, most people don't know this, but law enforcement started from the uh, slave trade. You know, um, that's what they did. They ran around and they, they collect the slaves off the street. And then it, it blo blossomed into what it is now. You know what I'm talking about? But so, but that this still doesn't give them uh, out for not following the law. You know, and, um, you know, I, I just, it's my opinion, you know, and they could disagree with me all they want to. You know, I, I don't want kids getting killed. I don't want anybody getting killed. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and then when people go in and, I mean, when you hear stories about how the lady went in, I forgot what, so many shootings. I can't think about this. There's so many shootings, school shootings. I can't even tell you which one I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, because there's, I mean, that's just like, doesn't even sound realistic. And this lady went in and said, I couldn't identify my daughter. The only way I knew it was my daughter was because of something that she wore that morning because her face was ripped off. I mean, I, don't even, I mean, that doesn't even sound real to me. You know, so I don't know how a, a, a person in their right mind, logical mind, could sit back and don't find that to be problematic. I just don't get this. Well, I thought that one of the things about 114, I felt because, you know, no, no one had the crystal ball to know whether that was going to pass or fail. We all knew it was going to be very close. Right. And to me, the fact that it passed was um, testimony to the thing that it was a minor step. It is a, you know, no matter what their post-election rhetoric is, the what we're asking was very small. And, and really, I think, to a larger degree, it was citizens saying, 
something has to happen. We need at least a token measure that says you're hearing us about, we don't want people shooting up Safeway or schools or, or all these things. That's That's been affecting people. And to me, you know, come on if, and get, let's start a conversation. This works for us. Yeah. This doesn't work for us. This is reasonable. This is unreasonable. Mm -hmm. Most, most voters are, have a certain degree of reason when it comes to what can and can't be used to hunt. That's right. You're absolutely right. You know, and, and it's funny you said that because, you know, um, the fact that um, that's, the, that's all they wanted. Like you said, they just want a token saying, okay, we got to do something, you know, because you know what? That guilt got to sit on your chest all the time. I mean, even if they didn't really want to do something, they're like saying, you know, I kind of agree with 114. I mean, don't agree with it, but you know what? We got to do something because these kids are getting... Okay, see, this is what makes me upset is nothing matters until it happens to someone in your family close to you. Then it becomes an issue. I always bring up this the, the, the example of living in Harlem. When when all the, the young, young black kids coming back from Vietnam was sprung out on heroin and stuff like that. Nobody gave a crap. But soon as the, the white kids in New Jersey and Long Island, when the big homes and everything, when, when they started getting addicted and when they caught Kennedy's grandson down there buying some heroin, then they had a war on drugs all of a sudden because no one cared before. And it doesn't have anything to do with black or white. It's the fact that we're human beings. We're supposed to look out for each other and we're supposed to care about each other. And allowing people to run around these streets with guns like it's like the cowboy days is just absolutely ridiculous. I guess what, you know, one thing I'm curious about, like where you kind of come in, in terms of like being a Redmond counselor is like, is, you know, are, are you guys talking about police budgets? I know like all the, the police state um, departments are saying, well, we don't have the budget to do the back, you know, the, the permitting process, we're going to need more money. Yes. Just are any of those conversations happening at the city level in Redmond right now? Well, it hasn't started yet, but I'm sure it's going to start after the new year, you know, and you know what, my, here's my attitude to that. If you need, if we, if they need more money to get some people to do that, I mean, you're talking about, a, not, not that this is like a low standard, but you're talking about a clerk. That's what you're talking about. They say, well, we can't have our officers in there doing fingerprints and doing, well, get, then hire some people. People need jobs. Hire some people to govern it. I mean, in my church department, we did it. That's the funny part. In, in, in Vancouver, Washington, we did the prints and everything for all licensed guns. So I don't know why it's such a big deal here. And I could be because, like you said, low staffing, but then ask and say, you know what? This is going to be difficult for us to, to handle. So we're going to come request some money so we can hire some clerks and stuff like that and get them trained so they could do this. As simple as that. Law enforcement agencies have the biggest budgets in almost every city and every county in the United States. So it's not like they don't have money. Maybe if you don't get a camouflage tank, you could get somebody to do fingerprints. Yeah, just like off the top of your head, do you happen to recall like what what percentage the police budget represents for Redmond's budget? Um, no, no, not right off the top of my head, I don't, but it's big. It's big. <laughs> I yeah, I know. You, you it's said big. it's okay for you to say you don't know. That's right. And I don't know. <laughs> Clifford, now percentage wise. We're at the end of our, our time together here. Is there anything you want to discuss that we haven't touched on or or something readers need to know? Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for always like wanting to talk to me because you know I love talking to y'all. And so that's the first thing. And breaking into your morning meetings randomly every now and then. <laughs> but what I want to say is this. Everyone should look at Redmond. Redmond is a great place to live. You know, we're gonna move into the future. 
you know, we, we're, we're going to address the homelessness problem. We're going to do a lot of good things. And we want people to come here and you come spend your money here a little bit. We got boutique shops all downtown, new boutique shops, lady boutique shops, spas and all kinds of stuff. You know, new hotel. You know, you, got, you can eat on the roof and look at the stars. There's no lights up there. So you're good. You understand? So um, do all that. You know, we got a lot of stuff for you. We got things just booming, you know. So um, I encourage you to come to visit Redmond. Ben is crowded. So you should come down here a little bit and give fresh uh, a breath of fresh air. Okay. And then you ain't got to wait to exhale because you're already doing it. So thank you guys very much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. It's been great. All right, my man. Have a good one. Bye, bye Nicole. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye.